Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association podcast. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And today we're deviating a little bit from our normal way of doing things, which seems appropriate given the series that we're going to be talking about today. Right. Uh, Before I give that uh, reveal uh, bald-faced, I guess I should do our normal thing, which is, Chops, what do you think of when I say, I'm burdened with glorious purpose? Well, you got to think of Loki in the Marvel movies, right? You got to. Uh, and uh, as I said, normally we would wait until the end of a uh, one of these, you know, event series that Marvel's been putting on. We did this, and you this know. one's relatively short. It's only six episodes, although I believe it is already confirmed for a second season. So we know we're going to get more of it, but only six episodes this go around. But I'll tell you what, we we talked a little bit about it, you know, after the first episode aired. Hey, you know, we might want. This seems like maybe we want to get in a little earlier just to talk about it because of how different and how big it seems to be. But boy, after that second episode, I think we were right in anticipating that, uh, that this requires a little bit of a deep dive early. And so as per usual, this is going to be a spoiler full episode. If you have not yet seen the first two episodes of Loki and you want to go in with a clean slate, this is not the podcast for you at the moment. Come back and listen once you have seen both of those. But as you all know, but before you watch number three, yeah, probably before you watch number three, uh, we, uh, as you know, here at Nerd Association, uh, at least I don't give a two squirts of piss, as the phrase goes, about spoilers. So uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit today about uh, those episodes and also the bigger impact on the uh, Marvel Universe as a whole and also the meta narrative, which there's layers. There's layers on this one, Chops. There's a lot. This is a very dense two episodes to to break down. It's not, you know, there's a surface level story, but there's a lot going on here. And also worth mentioning that, you know, each of these episodes is is pushing the 55 minute mark. And so of the of the products that Disney has been putting out both for Star Wars and for Marvel, this is up there with the longest that they're that they're doing, which, as you said, yeah. it's a six episode sort of miniseries. It makes sense that they would go go heavy on the the sort of time the lengths of of the series but but yeah it, it looks like it's going to push 5 hours and 6 episodes yeah at, at least so so i think it's worth you know if if you have seen these first two episodes you know but if you're the kind of person that is just going to listen and throw caution to the wind first of all i respect you second of all what's the very first thing and and something that you know when i sat down to watch with my wife she said well like what should i know going into this is there anything that like that I should remember. And I said, well, do you remember what happened to Loki in infinity war and an end game? And they certainly touch on that in the first episode. Uh, but this is not the Loki of infinity war that had gone through, you know, all the arcs in the different movies who had kind of come around from being a villain to a sort of anti-hero figure. Right. And this is, this is the, uh, this is the Loki that was being arrested in New York City during the events of the first Avengers movie, uh, who grabs the Tesseract and sort of poofs out of existence. Which is, probably seems like a hard thing to keep track of, but as far as like little things to keep tabs on on where exactly you are while you're watching the show, it ends up being one of the, probably the smallest ones because there's a lot of little things that you, you need to keep tabs on as far yeah. as time and where you're at. 
Well, and it's interesting, too, that um, not to, to sidetrack us too much, but Marvel's also doing this with Gamora. And um, the Gamora that ends up being back in the Marvel Universe is the one right. from before the snap. And so there's Loki is uh, just one of, a, you know, maybe several characters that we're going to get to examine in this way that haven't had a chance to have their sort of story arc as we recognize it. And that's the point of this series. Loki quickly finds out he has not gotten away with his little trick and he is promptly taken into custody by the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, which is, to me, I love everything about the the 60s aesthetic, the mid-century modern meets, like, Soviet bloc, you know. I love that mix of, like, modern technology, but also, like, analog technology in their weird bureaucratic office. And again, it makes you think of, like, like Saul Bass meets sort of Soviet Russia, I mean, it's it's just very, yeah, just the, the cool mix of technologies and, and aesthetically the aesthetics. Pleasing. Of, it's beautiful. Everything about it is, yeah, very pleasing. And this Time Variance Authority basically is the time police. They're there to make sure that what we learn is called the sacred timeline is preserved. They tell you, you know, tell us that in the past there were many, many different multiverses and that they kept constantly going to war. And eventually some really powerful beings known as the timekeepers, decided that they were going to agree upon a timeline and take these different threads in the multiverse and weave them back together into the sacred timeline and then create this agency that sort of exists out of time to to keep it on the straight and narrow. If there were any of these variants that were created, yeah. they're going to go in and, and delete them. I mean, literally erase beings as they sort of deviate. And... The series implies that there's some of history's mysteries might be, you know, Mandela effect moments might be because of some of these time variant authority excursions that maybe got just a little bit wrong. And that's why people remember something happening even when there's no evidence for it. Right. Or some. Yeah. Sometimes things that have happened that are unexplained are because of time variant stuff or, right. or whatever, because Loki is a, uh, they pretty much throw the cards out there that he was db cooper right he, he was the one who jumped out of the plane with all that money and he lost a bet and that's why he had to had to sort of pull this stunt um which i think is really lovely <laughs> uh, you know as a person who's who's into sort of true crime supernatural type stuff and just to offhandedly be like oh yeah db cooper that was actually loki and because well, it's yeah it's cool because it doesn't change anything db cooper is still a real life mystery to this day so right. it's like yeah if that's the explanation in the Marvel world, that's not like something different in the world. It's just like an explanation for it. Yeah. It's also really fun. You know, Loki is such a fun character and it, his arc in the movies is so wonderful that he gets to sort of go through this range of different roles and emotions and, and getting to see. And Tom Hiddleston's mm -hmm. just so charming in that role, too. So to give him a chance to spread his wings and do this kind of stuff. I mean, imagine as an actor getting a chance to dress up like db cooper and like pretend to jump out of a plane like that in and of itself just had to be a lot of fun yeah uh while we're on the idea of you know the story with the timelines and and going off it i think this show does a good job of being like really completely out of left field and like a totally different story than what we've seen in marvel but also having enough connections that you're like okay yeah this this isn't just like a random thing they came up with and and decided to do and marvel does a good job with that because they usually pour from uh, pull from the source material of their of their comics but what i like about this is this timeline stuff has already been introduced to us in endgame with right. tilda swinton's ancient one character where she's telling she tells 
Bruce Banner. It's Captain America who goes back and makes sure all the Infinity Stones get to where they go, which closes off those timelines. But she's telling Bruce Banner this that like every time you take this out, look at where it go- look at the timeline goes here, the timeline goes here. So that makes sense that when Loki takes the the Tesseract, which has the the blue stone. Which right. one is that? Yeah, yeah. The Whatever one the blue stone is. Oh, uh, but there's the the, the the time. Isn't it the time stone or is it the space? No, stone? No, time is green. Space stone. Yeah. Space stone. Yeah. Time is the green one. That's the one that Doctor Strange has. But uh, yeah, so he takes the space stone and that creates the divergent. And then the TVA shows up and it's like, well, there's already built in lore that this is what would happen. And this, if this organization does this, well, that makes sense because that's what the ancient one said would happen. If you would create a split, if you took the infinity stones where they're not supposed to go. And it's interesting that she talks about how these alternate timelines get destroyed, like really bad stuff happens to them. And we find out that that's literally true. Um, There is literally a force out there that will destroy anything that veers off the beaten path. If it goes off by too much. Um, Yeah. What is it? The red, the red line or whatever they call it. Right. The red line. If it gets there, they're like, "Ah, get rid of it. And I I think it's interesting too. uh, talking about sort of this genre of this show it's a very much a detective story in the style of like 1960s hitchcock like cary grant start would have starred in this movie or this series if it had been filmed back then you know yeah very again in that saul bass sort of aesthetic and neo-noir kind of trappings um while also being very sci-fi futuristic it's just very it's very cool everything about it is is very um engaging and immersive and the only difference is your lead detective isn't and i think he's playing kind of aloof on purpose but he's not very like debonair yeah about it although he's not like i all i was gonna say is uh laura while we were watching it at first said is that uh is that howard stark is that john slattery and i said no that's owen wilson she's like oh my god that's owen wilson we both marveled (laughs) at how like different he looked and how much he i mean he's Owen Wilson's aged pretty well, which is surprising. He's not one you would have picked, right? <laughs> Although be- the uh, the like dark like office type lighting they have really makes his broken his nose. nose. <laughs> yeah. It really makes it apparent with the shadows. But no, yeah, he he looks good and he's uh, doing a great job. And sometimes when you, you drop in a really famous actor into these movies, you're never quite sure. Like, oh, is it going to stand out or nothing? But he seems to be doing a good job of you know just blending into the story, and it's not. It's not an Owen Wilson vehicle. He's just playing a character. Yeah, that's it's very it's very cool. That's another tieback though. His name is Mobius M. Mobius, and Captain Iron Man figured out time travel by putting whatever in the Mobius strip. And I thought, okay, they, they, this guy works with time. That's how they figured out time travel. There's probably some sort of connection there. But either way, it's just something that picked that I picked up. That like there's there's connective tissue. Yeah, from the real Marvel movies and this, even though these stories are very separate and for those who aren't aware the mobius strip is basically the 3d interpretation of the infinity symbol then it like curves in and on itself you never reach you never reach an end to it but it's also like looped in and on itself so anyway Mm -hmm. yeah mobius m mobius which is also funny because his name is circular just like the sort of (laughs) you're right anyway so we quickly find out that you know the whole point here and the reason that loki doesn't meet the same fate as these other deviations these variants is because they need him to help solve a crime or a series of crimes. And the reason they need him is because they have sensed that his time aura is the one in all these different places, and therefore this is a a different variant of Loki that's particularly slippery, uh, that's hatching some sort of plot. And uh, so I want to talk about the sort of comics 
precedent for this story because there certainly is a lot that 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 Marvel is pulling, you know, Marvel Studios is pulling from the comics to put this show together. Um, right. If we're not there yet, say so. But I think, you know, when we are, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, if you want to go, I think we're just about ready and okay. we can use that as jumping off points for what we're going to talk about because, yeah, it's, you know, it's only two episodes, so there's not a ton of, like, overarching stuff for us to break down, but there's just so many little things that I think, yeah, with the context of the comics makes it even richer. Well, yeah. So the first thing that um, that I think is worth talking about is how do we have a female Loki? Spoiler: the the ver- time variant version of Loki that they're chasing is Lady Loki. Um, mm-hmm. In the comics, there is this arc wherein Thor becomes the All Father. He he, you know, uh, ascends to the throne of Asgard and basically realizes that Ragnarok is not a singular event. It's an it's a it's a falling apart that keeps happening this suffering and this destruction keeps happening over and over again and so he decides that he's going to he's going to create an ultimate Ragnarok that will truly wipe the slate clean and he does that and then after several years Asgard reappears on Earth in Oklahoma so (laughs) connection number one Ah, comic books number two yeah right number two is that at this point Thor has to realizes that all the different Asgardians are reincarnated, but they are not necessarily the way that he remembers them. Enter Lady Loki, who in this new sort of Asgard that he's created is the the newest incarnation of Loki and has some enhanced powers, including the power of possession, which we saw, uh, you know, throughout these first couple of episodes as being yeah. one of the powers that the new Loki has. So there, connection number one. How do we have a female Loki? Obviously, it doesn't have to be exactly that way in the show. They've ex- already described to us that time variants can w- vary wildly from their original forebear because of just the nature of the weirdness of time and all these different multiverses that are going on. As they're going through that part, and Owen Wilson's like, there's different types of Lokis, and they're they're showing them. They're like, it's like different representations of Loki through the like norse mythology even not only just in the marvel in the marvel universe but yeah they're like norse mythology so that's a cool little easter egg they put in for that for sure well yeah he's i mean loki in norse mythology is like half spawned from giants and at one point he like turns into a horse and loki is sexed with as a horse (laughs) and and ends up giving birth to schlepnir which is odin's like eight-legged horse it's weird man norse mythology is bizarre a lot of stuff going on so anyway, this is so there Lady Loki, that's a connection from the comics. Um another one that I is definitely hinting at where we're going in the Marvel universe and you know the big question right now that everyone's been asking is who's the next big bad? During WandaVision we thought it might be Mephisto, right? Um yeah. that they kind of set up that that could be it, but th- by the end of that series we don't really leave feeling like that's the case. They set up Agatha to be a sort of antagonist but definitely not the big bad they kind of set up wanda to be a threat um but definitely not the big bad by the way did you catch the um the use of nexus as one of these sort of splitting off events is also the same advertising that they talked about in wandavision you know the nexus corporation yeah i didn't catch that that's good yeah they must have like they must have a like imagine being like a script supervisor type job 
for Marvel. Oh my like, god, they have to have these like people who are like you, you like maybe like you get like a certain part, and it's like you need to know everything about this movie or this character or whatever because like making sure that everything links up and like when they have ideas like what could we link this back to and they they do it and it's always it's just so tight. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's so lovely that they have yeah they have all these connections and I mean bra- again bravo to them. So. I think this series is giving us a, a pretty clear answer. If you know sort of the hist- the Marvel history and the Marvel comics, that the villain of the next phase is going to be Kang the Conqueror. And Kang the Conqueror is this super intelligent being who exists in the in the 31st century, which by the way, they they tracked that sword in Oklahoma to the 31st century. It ha- that was its time aura. And the the middle timekeeper they always show three of them, and always in the middle is a character who looks, all, I mean, almost exactly like Kang the Conqueror from the comics. We know that Kang is is going to be showing up in the new Ant-Man and the Wasp film, which is, um, the name is escaping me, but basically they're going to be going back into the sort of mini shrunk, shrunken down universe. And in the comics, Kang the, the Conqueror... quantum realm. Thank you, the quantum realm. And in the comics, Kang is this super intelligent being who, in the same way that Thanos thinks he knows better, and that's why he goes after the Infinity Stones to, you know, uh, cut down half of the population of the universe, Kang believes he knows what the perfect version of the timeline is, and his superpower is that he can manipulate time to go back and ensure his own victories and ascendancies. So in the comics, he he can go back and change time to suit him. Um, and so it would make perfect sense that he's one of these timekeepers that decided we're smart enough and powerful enough that we can create whatever timeline uh, we think is best. Yeah, and make sure that this is the one. It's the only one. We, we've got it, and it's all set up. Which is uh, you know something that's worth thinking about now as we continue our discussion is that that means the TVA are the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> because they're enacting this plan in which uh, the timeline uh, is but we're in a weird We're in a weird spot where it's like are the – I don't want to be the they're just following orders guy, but, but like are the individual characters, do they know they're bad? Because the way like Owen Wilson, like when he's talking to, to Loki, he's like, I don't know. It just it feels right, and this is my purpose, and this is what we do. Yeah, so, but like, I, I – it's. I mean, I think that that is that. Do you think it's going to be a double cross? No, I think that's interesting. I think legitimately, Mobius, Agent Mobius, probably doesn't realize that he's the bad guy, and I think that's right. an interesting parallel to to history and to even current events, where it's like I was just following orders, man, is not a good excuse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and in this case, I think there is a group, you know. So let's talk about Ravona Renslayer, who is the judge in in this you know first couple of episodes. In yep. Marvel lore, historically, she has a relationship with Kang the Conqueror, um, like a romantic relationship with Kang the Conqueror. She's his sort of consort. And and it's hinted on or hinted at in these episodes that she has a direct line to the timekeepers, knows what they're doing, knows what their plan, at least a little bit more than everybody else knows what their plan is. So Kang the Conqueror wants to be in charge of the timeline and, and do everything for himself. And then the judge of people who are variants off the timeline might be in cahoots with him. And I think it's interesting. They, they have <laughs> that this, sets up well for his evil plan. For sure. Well, and I think it's interesting. They mention like Loki says, well, what about the Avengers? They deviated the timeline, too. And 
They say, well, no, the timekeepers planned for that. They say that's okay. I have this this sort of prediction slash thought that what if, you know, if it's three timekeepers, what if two of the timekeepers said the Avengers were okay, what they did was okay, but Kang disagreed. And okay. his plan is, I disagree with you. I'm going to kill, usurp, whatever, the other two timekeepers to become the sole timekeeper because I disagree with their version of events. I want to rewrite history to suit me. That would threaten the Avengers again. So <laughs> Precisely. And then and then it also Which is sort of the whole point of the Marvel series at this point. So like, yeah, I think that could be a, a smart way to go. Well they're set yeah, they're certainly setting up the, the multiverse as being this new sort of universal galactic threat. And of course, one of the new the next Marvel movies that's on the slate is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it's mm-hmm. probably fair to assume that throughout this Loki series we're going to see a situation in which the mul- and and even at the end of episode two, where the timeline is breached and starts splitting off into all these different yeah. multiverses. Well, we we also don't know if the TVA is getting all the information they need, or if they're even telling the truth, or if there are higher ups that know there are multiverses that they're not shutting down, right? And things like that. That maybe there's these timekeepers are yeah, this is the main one, but they're working with other ones that they let that they didn't they you know they they took from the system and let go off. Anyways, and I that could be something that would be would be fun to go into. The, what this got me thinking about, and what what's what spurred this for me, was when Loki found the Infinity Stones. Yeah, and they're worthless now. And they're paperweights, been, and there's a bunch of them. <laughs> they've been yeah, there's a bunch of them. They've you know the since Iron Man basically like uh, disintegrated them, they're essentially they don't hold the the same power. They're 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 nothing anymore. And it made me think of like why the so he had the Tesseract and he had just. You know, he had come with that and he wanted to use that and then he gets he gets taken in and, yeah. then, and now it's worthless. And it made me think that, OK, while he was there in the moment with all the Avengers doing their little time heist or whatever, it that hadn't happened yet. But then as soon as he went somewhere else and was out of them, I feel like time, especially from the TVA standpoint, is all happening simultaneously. Right. So like immediately once he was out of that situation, everything that that happens at the end of Endgame already happened so now infinity stones are, are are worthless again because that's the because that's that's happened in the world and since all the time i hope you're sticking with me a little bit yes yeah. this isn't a full-blown theory because it's it's really complex in my even in my own head but all that time happens simultaneously like i said so wherever you're at now it's all it's gone so it's like there is like a timeline where things happen in succession but there's also this this overlap of everything happening at the same time. And that's how the TVA can just jump around from time to time and keep going wherever they want. Yeah. You just explained quantum physics 101 there, my friend, uh, which is, Look at me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I felt like that reveal of the infinity stones as paperweights and low key having this realization about what that means was brilliant. One. Just and it's good because now we don't have to deal with somebody trying to get infinity stones ever again and like always being the end all do you know what it also does that i think is so clever it sets up whoever the next big bad is which we think to be kang thanos was the most powerful threat the universe had ever faced because he used the magic of the infinity stones to bend everything to his will right Mm -hmm. now imagine a villain who is so much more powerful than thanos that the infinity stones are paperweights to him (laughs) and who uses not not magic which we find they can just completely turn off magic. He uses mm-hmm. science. He is now the sort of 
if Thanos was more akin to the sort of Wanda Maximovs, right? Because they both get their power, got their power from the Infinity Stones, and it's clear that that power is magical. Right. Now you have a villain who's more like Tony Stark, who has who has come to his power to by using the science and physics and all those things. The ultimate power of a, of a god or a being that you know was given the powers by the Infinity Stones or something, but even a next step up because of the understanding of how every all this stuff is working. And and we were shown throughout um, you know Infinity War and throughout Endgame that that Doctor Strange is one of the most powerful beings in the universe because he can manipulate time and he can see the different timelines, right? But but uh, but a hero uses that power responsibly. Right. And now we're going to see a a person who has that may, an even greater grasp on that power is an expert in time manipulation and has selfish motivations. Doctor Strange, that's a good example too of like the ultimate timeline because he says there's only one out of all the little ways I could see this going. There's only one that that works for us, and that's probably the that main timeline. Right. So I, I just think it's very that that Infinity Stone scene is so is so short and like really kind of a blink and you'll miss it two minutes right, but I think because it's, well, it's also thrown in there with that the Casey Eugene Cordero's yeah. character that, that that you know we got a little uh, comic relief in there he, he threatens him and his only the only thing he takes from that is well what's a fish. Yeah. But yeah, and then in that moment, there's this really important stuff happening to the the lore of how power dynamics are going to unfold in the future of the Marvel Universe. For the next, whatever, 5, 10, 15 years of Marvel movies, that set right. it up in in just such a short, with such a, a simple scene. It's brilliant writing. It's absolutely brilliant writing. And that the implications, it's, you don't have to dig very hard for those implications, especially if you, uh, you know, know enough to know that probably a time villain is the next thing coming. Really, really marvelous. So, again, setting up Kang almost certainly is going to be the next sort of big villain. And, and in the comics, Kang is considered a bigger threat than Thanos because, again, he can manipulate the timelines. He can easily undo anything the Avengers try to throw at him. And how, so how do, you, how do you combat a villain that can just basically hit the undo key we saw Thanos do that in small ways in Infinity War and how devastating that was, right? And Doctor Strange and how he defeated Dormammu. Right. So, I, you know, we're being set up for an even more terrifying villain, which I think is is really wonderful. And they, that's what they have to keep doing. And, like, it, it, I think they do it well enough in an organic way that it doesn't seem like... You know, like when kids are playing and they're like, well, actually, I can do this. Yeah. And that's why you didn't like it, it. But it doesn't feel that way. because, And like I said, it helps because they always have the comic books to pull back from. But that seems to be, you know, the, you can constantly argue about who's the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe. But like, it doesn't matter because in a year or two, they're, they're going to have to step it up and they're just going to keep stepping up. And I don't know what the ultimate level is. Is it those like all seers, those like babies in space or whatever it is? But there's something <laughs> yeah. that's that's got to be the, the the top right uh there's I, I think probably the biggest threat is oh um galactus, galactus. is the uh, the galaxy eater yeah that he's probably gonna have to be a, the eventual final boss but i don't know i mean that's 20 might be 15 or 20 years from now right right 
I had a I had a theory. I was saying to uh, Jen, I was like, "What if the timekeepers are just like played by Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson, and it's just like their excuse to get those actors <laughs> back into the Marvel universe?" Well, in the com, I mean, in the comics, there was there was precedent for some of these Avengers becoming basically gods, and Star really? Iron Man was kind of one of them. I I don't think they'll do that, but yeah, it would be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> Um, no, they're all just going to look like, they're all just going to look like Stan Lee. They're all just going to be computer recreations of Stan Lee. Right. Right. That wouldn't be creepy at all. No, people would not get mad about that in the least. (laughs) I want to talk about the apocalypse, uh, hiding out in a apocalypse. Yeah. 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 Let's let's go there. Apocalypses. Yeah. (laughs) That's uh, yeah. Usually you don't have to say apocalypse in plural form because (laughs) there's usually just one. It's thought of as, yeah, an ultimate, but the idea that there are like localities to apocalypses and that if you can hide in there because all the, anything you do in there, the variants, well, they're just immediately squashed and they don't get to even approach the red line because they're gone right away. And it's right. like, well, everything is how it should be anyways. All these people are dead. So the the one, him figuring that out is pretty cool. And then the idea of it, and then they go to Pompeii to prove that there will be no variance as the as the thing goes but it did make me question I was like how real are they in these situations like if they die when they're traveling through time do they die or like did they get out of there right at the last second because from what I know about Pompeii it happened very rapidly yeah and they wait until like the like the volcano is like popping off do they have to quickly hope they hop into a thing or like are they only visiting in like a spectral way? I that is one thing that I'm curious about as they're traveling to these apocalypses. I think the implication, um, because of the the agents who keep getting killed, in you know the Lady Loki is assaulting and killing. I think the implication is that if you die, no, if you die in the timeline somewhere, you're dead. Um, and That's yeah, your I point thought, your point yeah. is very good that like. They did it for for sort of visual effect to have them sort of waiting until the last second. But I do think the implication is they jump back into one of those time doors. Which seems like, I don't know, it just seems like playing with, no pun intended, playing with fire Yeah, in in a moment. of. But he proved his point, and then that becomes really interesting. So then they have to cross-reference where could this candy have been that he found in, what was it, like France and whatever time? I suspected that was supposed to be Joan of Arc, but I don't, maybe that was just me yeah guessing wildly uh but yeah no that this yeah in 1549 this like uh pack of chewing gum or whatever you know chewy candy shows up and they realize that it's from alabama in 2050 (laughs) (laughs) i like um i like how they're because of this they're they're really able to incorporate like mundane uh, like normal seeming locations yeah like you mentioned there's oklahoma they go to this alabama location that's being wiped out by a hurricane they go to I, the the bait and switch of showing like renaissance times yeah. and then it turns out to be 1985 and you're at a renaissance fair in wisconsin I, I i like that you know it just it not everything has to be new york and chicago and miami or whatever for sure no i think i thought that was really uh really a wonderful conceit to have that yeah, those different locations that you normally wouldn't think of. And let's talk about that scene in uh, during the hurricane in Alabama because that was chilling and everything I thought was coming as far as, you know, I assumed, oh, the, the uh, bombs are going to be or the sort of grenades are going to be set up at TVA headquarters and it's going to be a terrorist-style attack on the on the location. But no, 
In fact, Lady Loki did a terrorist attack on on the timeline, which on time, yeah, on time itself. And I, in a way that I almost never find myself so engrossed in media, I was like dumbfounded and scared and realized like I was sitting there wide eyed, slack jawed, watching that, going like, "What?" And and had to I, remind myself, you're watching a television show. <laughs> one thing that I was I was a little confused by that though, because I was like, well, I thought the the idea was that the apocalypse, you know, the hurricane or whatever wipes everything out. So why does why did the bombs create all those timelines? Wouldn't that just do the same thing that the hurricane was about to well, do? But she had been stealing the little data pads from all the different uh, agents, right, and creating little time doors. So she sent every one of those grenades to a different point in time. Uh, okay, that's what it was. I, right. I guess I kind of. So that, they were okay, being that tele- detail makes it very different than. Yeah, yes, they okay, were being I- teleported to every different point in the timeline that then branched off. And of course, they've been using them so far to delete things and make the timeline right. But you could also delete things that make the timeline wrong. And and yeah. Mobius makes that really clear in Pompeii, like. Any little thing could create a, a a branch here that we wouldn't know the implications of right away, and which is which is funny because it like it makes it makes the Hulk from Endgame simultaneously still correct but also wrong, right? But like yeah, the time just keeps going and nothing gets changed, and that's because well, that's actually because the TVA exists. So you were right that that it, and in the end that is what happens, but technically you were wrong, Mister Hulk. Well, he's because. right about his own timeline, right? And I think that yes. was the Sorceress Supreme's point. Like, yeah, you're right about saving your timeline, but what about every other timeline? And mm-hmm. there are some of us that have to deal with that. So, and it also squashes anybody who thought they were like smart, pushes up their glasses and be like, well, what about Back to the Future and how that affects the timeline? And Marvel can't just make their own time. One, you can make any time travel rules you want because time travel doesn't exist. So you can do whatever you want, technically. And two, they covered all those bases, actually, if you pay attention. Well, and and I think Marvel has done a, actually a pretty good job of of looking into what quantum physics would tell you about about time travel and kind of replicating that closer than than a lot of other media has. So no, I'm not saying that they nailed time travel, but they've done their research. If you if you look into what co- quantum physics would tell you about different multiverses and time travel and all that kind of stuff and time dilation and what you were talking about like time being a flat circle and it's all happening simultaneously we're just perceiving it in this way Mm -hmm. yeah uh they they actually did have done pretty well (laughs) now you brought up the stereotypical angry nerd pushing (laughs) up the glasses and i want to talk about that angry nerd Okay. Because I think the sort of next layer, so we talked about sort of the baseline narrative. We talked about the sort of references that they seem to be putting into their own sort of past products, comic books. I think there's a third level of meta narrative here that's almost maybe more interesting to me, which is this idea that this group of people who think they're smarter than everyone else believes that they have the right to decide the timeline and mm. that if something that something tries to fly in the face of the timeline that they think is established that they have the right to basically you know cancel it or destroy it or uh, blanket out of existence right like what's to say the timekeepers didn't just pick the timeline that was most advantageous to them called it the ultimate timeline and 
tell you to get rid of any deviations off that, whereas the deviations could be the true correct timeline or the way things should be going. And I think that's a direct address from Marvel to sort of gatekeeper-y, trolly fans who would say, actually, I know the comics better than anybody else, and I know the the way things are supposed to be, and if you deviate from that and you don't include the things that I think, well, then you've done it wrong, and I'm not interested in it anymore, and if I had the power to, I would take it over. To me, Marvel's saying the Time Variance Authority are the crappy fans, and they're the villains. <laughs> I and I I don't think that that's uh, crazy for me to think that I really think that like in a in a story that is about multiverses and timelines and different versions of events and an all power or, you know a seemingly all powerful group that's anointed themselves as the the one true fan of the timeline to me that's pretty pointed especially when they're trying mm-hmm. to set up the time variance authority to be cool and catchy and Owen Wilson's really charismatic and you really like him. And then you find out that actually they're the bad guys <laughs> and that Loki, that w- who wants to come in and create a little chaos. And I think Lady Loki, we think of her right now as being the villain. Right. But I think it, by the end, Loki's maybe she's up- trying to right some wrongs. Well, and I think that Lo- that Lady Loki, you know, he the sort of Loki prime says, I have this proposal for you and I want to become the timekeepers and. Basically, she says, I'm not interested in that. And is it that this version of Loki realizes, maybe has even lived to see, that it that there shouldn't be a timekeeper? There should not be a an arbiter of what the correct timeline is. And in that way, Loki kind of becomes the hero, right? Chaos reigns, or at least this idea that 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 you should be able to determine your own fate. And I think Marvel Studios is putting themselves... Because he does have that free will conversation with Owen Wilson. He's like, so you're saying there's no free will? And he's like, well, not exactly. And it's like, kind of sounds like there's not free will. And he basically says, well, it's already happened, and we know it's already happened, and we're going to make sure that it's the version of events that happens. And to me, I mean, again, explicitly, that is pointing at the, the fans and saying, hey, you think that you own this and that you can control it and that you get to make decide what we do but actually we're the gods of mischief and we believe in free will and creating our own destiny and that's what we're going to stink and do here (laughs) i i mean i like the theory i don't think that i i think there's we've definitely seen that more in the modern era with with the availability for people to take in fan theories and what the fans are saying because of the advent of the internet and probably even also like the uh like the comic-con like culture and stuff like that there's that's so much more available and they probably do get tired of it and we've seen that too that there are like snubs to the people who think yeah they're in charge and it's like now we're making all of this we we know what's happening you don't well think about the last jedi and think about even some of the reaction to wandavision which wandavision was an exceptional series and yet people found fault with it because it wasn't what they decided ahead of time and again Mm -hmm. that's exactly the plot of this show (laughs) Isn't that also the like plot of comic books that like they can just do whatever they want? That's what they've been doing for you know sixty years. Well, right? Isn't that the point of the multiverse? The point of the multiverse right. is that we we can explore these different themes and we can explore these different stories because there isn't one true version of reality. And when you try to enforce one co- sort of canon version of reality, first of all, it's not fun. It's not. (laughs) And I think the agents, I mean, Agent Mobius is cool and charismatic and we like him. But do you really like any of the other agents? 
they they come in like mm-hmm. Gestapo and they enforce this will, like you said, without asking any questions. We're not supposed to relate to them. <laughs> They're the right. enemies of fun. So it'll be really it will be really fun to to watch as Loki goes off with the variant Lady Loki and as they get to discuss things and and see what's going on and also see what is the response of the TVA to this time terror event? Are they just gonna go all out and just shut down all these or what are they gonna what are they gonna do here? How much power do they really have and how are they going to wield it? Yeah. And and I think it'll be interesting too. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Agent Mobius, who clearly is the sort of moderation in this in this agency, right? He's sort of the loose cannon. He's sort of the bad boy. But because he gets results, they tend, you know, they haven't cracked down on him for his methods yet. Um, what happens now when he he might find himself on the outside? You know, either kicked out or his badge taken away, if you want to do that, or them even trying to destroy him. You know, what does he do? Uh, and ha- and I think there's a distinct possibility that we will see at least one of the timekeepers, maybe not Kang himself, but I think that's going to be an interesting reveal, too, when we I just, get to I learn just more hope, about them. I hope it ends episode six with Owen Wilson on a jet ski. <laughs> it should, right? That's what we that's what he deserves. It's what we deserve for one for one brief moment in the 90s. Everything was everything came together perfectly. It was just right on a jet ski. Yeah. No, I I think I think probably we may be even before, you know, imagine that you get kicked out of the TVA and you have the ability to go anywhere in time. Owen Wilson's, you know, Agent Mobius is probably going to retire to the early 90s and like get himself right. a jet ski and probably Loki and or Lady and Loki run into Captain Marvel. <laughs> Probably. And and Lady Loki is probably going to have to, or regular Loki, Loki Prime, is probably going to have to, like, convince him to join their side, right? Go back in, in the timeline and get him from the beach where he is with his uh, with his jet ski, probably sporting the regular Owen Wilson hair uh, and right. no and no but cool mustache, right? The shaggy dog hair. The that shaggy dog, look. yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I just... It's there's the possibilities here. I mean, the fact that they get to basically do anything in time with real historical events or imagined ones, that's pretty cool, right? Like, that's a cool Mm -hmm. way to set up a television show to just kind of do whatever the hell you want. And it's perfect for a being like Loki, who's already lived through so much time, so he doesn't have to deal with like the whirlwind of right, like oh, time travel and all this stuff. Loki's just like, okay, we can go to wherever we can in time. Yeah, imagine like Spider Man, imagine Peter Parker in the same situation. Which actually, we probably are going to see Peter Parker in the same situation in the next Spider-Man movie, right? Where he meets versions of himself from different timelines. Uh, Tom Tom Holland meeting other Spider-Mans is just going to be a masterclass in confusion. And well, and also think about the fact that this we just saw in episode two of Loki, potentially the nexus, uh, no pun intended, of all of this other stuff, right? It's quite mm-hmm. possible that Peter Parker meeting his other Peter Parkers is a result of this bombing of the timeline by Lady Loki. Yes, and that's the that's the cool link stuff that Marvel does. Yeah. So it's yeah. Well, and it's also quite possible that Multiverse of Madness is, you know, with Doctor Strange is is he and po- possibly Wanda I think Wanda's the villain of that movie until the end. I think probably by the end she comes back to the side of good, but 
suddenly if all the timelines start breaking off and you're Wanda Maximoff and you realize you can go and you can find your kids and you can get your husband back, then uh, she's probably a fan of this, of jumping through the different multiverses and looking for them. And then you have somebody like Doctor Strange who knows what the implications of that are, who has to you know follow her through the different timelines. I think it's really wonderful and it also sets up you know marvel has so many different versions of every character in the marvel universe different people taking on the role the mantles of the superhero and we see that happening in a practical way with captain america but i think it sets up she hulk i think it sets up a lady thor which we you know well we know she thunder happening right i guess i'm saying i think this one moment in this one episode of loki has set up everything else Marvel is going to be doing for the next, like I said, 10 or 15 years in a really wonderful way, because now there's no reason you can't be bringing in the X-Men from an alternate dimension or the fantastic four from an alternate dimension, different versions and the real of world stuff comes in there. And it's like, well, they have the rights to the X-Men now. So exactly. Yep. And now they have a way to easily explain why the whole team is together and they've jumped through one from one multiverse to another. Also things like, I mean, there's been a lot of, of talk about how the next, Captain Marvel movie might not have Brie Larson in it and it's going to have a bunch of different Captain Marvels in it. Well, this explains that too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And well, think about too guardians of the galaxy where you suddenly have different versions of those characters and those are the implications of that. It's all, it's yeah. The, de- the depiction wild. of the timeline and when all the things going off it, especially after the time attack is just like probably really a, a visual representation of what they're planning with the Marvel universe that it doesn't now that you guys are so bought in, we really don't need to do one giant through line story that all connects. We can just do a bunch of big different stories going off in different directions. And maybe at the end they can connect, but it's fun to go in different directions. I was going to say, I think that's the, that's the exciting part, right? Is that in the end, in whatever the infinity war Endgame ver- version of the next few phases of Marvel becomes where Kang is the ultimate villain that they have to fight. Think of the different characters from every timeline of all these different movies getting to come together in that sort of Avengers Assemble moment, except mm. instead of being pulled out of, of uh, you know, the Infinity Stones reverse snap or whatever, instead of being brought in, it's that they're jumping in from different timelines via, like, the Quantum Realm or whatever. Yeah, and, and then there probably is a, a, a version where at the end of this they say, okay, you know, we do, we probably shouldn't... Uh, we probably need new timekeepers or new wa- you know people who watch the timeline for this kind of stuff just in case but it doesn't have to be the sacred timeline anymore it can be more right. free flowing and i and also i think that sets up a galactus situation where now that you have all these different timelines you can suddenly destroy some of them because you can have a world eater come in and eat a universe and it doesn't have to be the end of the MCU. It can just be the end of that multiverse a branch of the MCU. Precisely. Yeah. And that allows them to pare down again in the future and not have so many different crazy things going on at once, which they will probably eventually want to do, right? They will probably right. eventually want to come back to something a little bit more singular. So there you have it. I we, mean, we just I, told I you. Say we're both, <laughs> I would say we're both very hooked on the first two episodes of Loki, and I really look forward to seeing what else happens. And Tell us, what do you think is going to happen? It, you know, we're not the, like, as exampled in our discussion, we're not the 
arbiters of what's going to happen in the MCU. These are just our ideas. So what are your ideas? You can send those into us uh, via Twitter at NerdAssoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can always email us, nerdassoc at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and also send in any uh, recommendations for things you'd want to hear us talk about. And we'll talk to you next week. 